whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn, playwright, filmmaker, and professor of communications at American University. And each episode we have someone from the theater who you'd see on stage, backstage, or in the house to discuss an original cast album they love. And today we're joined by playwright and director Bridget Grace Sheaf. Hello, Bridget. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm fabulous, but I was born like that. Ah, (laughs) all right. Wow. Confident beginning. I like it. All right. (laughs) Well, welcome to me. Sure. Okay. This is good. Well, it's very nice to meet you. And uh, and you chose... Into the Woods. Into the Woods without delay, but careful not to lose the way. Into the Woods, who knows what may be lurking on the journey. Into the Woods to get the thing that makes it worth the journey. Into the Woods to see the key, to sell the cow, to make the potion, to see, to sell, to get, to bring, to make, to live, to go to the festival. Into the Woods. Um, well, I was nine, I think, when the revival cast uh, did the Tony's performance. Oh, okay. Um, and so we watched it at my house. And my father knows Into the Woods quite well. He took my mother on a date to see Into the Woods. They, they won tickets. Oh, and wow. They, and they saw it. And so he, when the, the Tony's performance happened, he says, oh, I have, to sh- I have to show you this. So he tracked down a VHS copy of the original oh, the original they filmed okay. it. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought all the original cast back and they filmed it and I remember sitting in our living room watching this and the first act was over and I said there can't possibly be a second act my right. father said I remember this <laughs> everyone has this reaction right right and it was then I watched the second act and I remember Bernadette Peters sweeping across the stage in that huge red cape during last midnight and it is the first moment I understood the feeling of being in love with something. Oh, wow. Like, it was really, like, it's, it, it this musical is so important to me. Oh, wow. We would reenact scenes in my front yard. I was the director and mm-hmm. the witch and all of, I was probably all the characters. I was probably, I have leadership qualities. Mm-hmm. So I, I did a lot of, a lot of that. Uh, but it has been something that has stuck with me since then. No, so were, were musicals and shows part of your life before mm-hmm. this show? Okay, so yeah, this is the my, first one that really was, stuck out, though. Yeah, I was five when I was in Music Man. Okay. My dad, is, my dad is the head of performing arts at the high school that I went to, and he actually also went to Catholic. Oh, wow. And studied drama, graduated right. in 1989. Okay. Uh, so, and then I came here for school as well. And so he, I remember watching my dad doing Anything Goes when we were, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, okay. so we're far, sort of. Mm-hmm. A thousand miles away from here, but <laughs> we, you know, we like there's still there's sure. still art that's happening out Absolutely. there too. So, um, yeah, but musicals and plays and all of that had been in my life. But this is the first time I had seen something and went, "This is what I want to do." I think. Oh wow! Yeah. And you say you were about nine. Right? Yeah. Okay, I was so nine. that's about the right age, I think, for that. I think so. I think that's that the, be... the discovery. Well, it's funny that you were. So you were in the chorus of Music Man, or were you Amaryllis for? No, I was Gracie Shin. You were Gracie Shin. Yes. Okay, so you had lines. Yes, Tommy Jesus did it. Right. Right. Right at the beginning, too. <laughs> right, like right, right near there. the top there. Right before Wells Fargo 70- Wagon is the comment. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that didn't do it for you, though. That's interesting. No, that it, little... was, it was fun. Right, I think but it not was... in, like, if there's, 
a difference between that and then like staging a show. Well, the thing is, is Music Man is done every third week in Iowa. Oh, well, everyone's oh, always you're doing in, someone. You're in Iowa. Someone is yeah. always doing Music Man. I forgot you They're were like, in oh, Iowa. We're, it's this show that takes place in Iowa. Entirely like, yes, in we, Iowa. We yeah. get it. Like, <laughs> and I love. I, there are people who hate that musical, and I oh, have I a love very, I have a very special place. I think it is so clever. I think Marion Librarian is one of the most beautiful rhyming songs mm-hmm. written. I just, I love it. Um, and, you know, like, I'm so familiar with it that's sort of like, yeah, it's Music Man. Sure. And I think that's how I was. But, mm-hmm. and so that was, I was in kindergarten when I was in that, but. So this was the first one, though, that like. This was the one. This was the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So for those people who don't know, because it is very important, I think, oh, especially sure. if you've only seen Into the Woods Jr., <laughs> um, can you give everyone a quick synopsis of sure. Into the Woods? So Into the Woods is the meeting of a lot of the fairy tales that you're very familiar with. We are introduced to Cinderella and Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk and Little Red White Riding Hood and Rapunzel. But it is framed through this surprisingly suburban couple who wants to have a child. And they are told by a witch who lives next door to them yes. because that's the that's fairy tale the world live, that we yes. are right next door. Right. Uh, that in order they have to break this curse in order to have a child. Um, so Act One sort of ends with them breaking the curse and they get their child and all of the other fairy tales are sort of tied up in the way that you expect them to be. And then the narrator says to be continued, an intermission happens, right. and then we come back from intermission and there's still story happening. There's still desires. There's still a bigger, greater happy ending that all of these people are going for. And that is interrupted by the arrival of a giant in the land. Um, And the giant avenging the death of her husband that Jack slayed coming down the beanstalk wreaks havoc on this world, just yeah. completely destroys everything. And, and many people die in the course of yes, the second act, like very quickly, <laughs> like Game of Thrones style yeah, quickly. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. not surprising not... <laughs> characters are killed. Yes. yes, we, we you know, and and there's this idea that uh, everyone is battling this giant. And then that is a different kind of conclusion and wrap up to the conflict at the end, and they're still a happy ending, and they sing the same song that they sing at the end of the first act. And the whole show ends with the repeated interval of I wish, and then the show is over. This idea that that desire is cyclical yes. and that things are still wanted. Yeah. Well, it never stops. It's the right. the idea of there is no such thing as happily ever after. Exactly. That there is still... There has to be a morning after, as the, as the song, as the <laughs> oh, song says. There you look, go. There, there you go. go. There it is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I saw this. I I I came in touch with this show. I was like thirteen mm-hmm. or something, and uh, it, yeah, much like much like you say, you get to the end of Act One, and I kind of I knew that there was a second act, and I knew it would turn everything on its head. But it is it, it's one of those shows where it's funny that this show and Sunny in the Park with George to me, which are both James Lapine and Stephen Sondheim sure. collaborations, um, are shows where people generally. If they have a complaint about the show, it's because of the second act, um, where they say the second act isn't as good or the second act isn't as boring. And I have the same response in both of those shows. Like the whole show is the second act. Like without the second act, it's just oh, it, yeah. it's not it's not there's no there's no it's just whatever. Like it's right. it's fine. But it's the second act is the show. Like in, in a great right. the, all the themes are really explored in, oh, in I, the second act. I feel very protective of this show. When people when people ask me what my favorite musical is. Mm-hmm. 
I give them two answers. I say my absolute favorite musical is is Into the Woods, but I don't feel like you understand it. So my favorite musical is Company, and like oh, <laughs> so okay. I'm a Sondheim sort of sure. Um, and and people yeah. laugh me off, but I I and I, <laughs> and I and I realize that I'm a dilettante about that. I realize that people should be able to access art, and that's an important thing. And this touches mm-hmm. people. And and but I I have seen it done poorly. Yes. And it, so I feel very protective of it. So yeah. it's, you know, in the Sondheim birthday celebration, um, when David Hyde Pierce is announcing all of the the song snippets for mm-hmm. the concert, he talks when he t- when they get to the end of the woods section before uh, they sing It Takes Two, he says. In 1987, Steve and James Lapine created a musical inspired by fairy tales and the work of Bruno Bettelheim. The resulting show is a dark look into the twisted pathways of the human psyche, and consequently it is now performed by school children all over America. (laughs) Which I think is so true about this show, because it just looks like it's fairy tales. Right. And And it's exploring so much more than that. But I think that's one of the things that's so brilliant about it, is it is this amazing combination of... How do we get people in the door? Like, what is the commercial aspect of this? Mm-hmm. Oh, fairy tales. Everyone knows. You know, there's this sort of Disney-fied thing that you right. can get with that. And then once they're in, you can hook them. You can yeah. say, this is what we're – like, this, that can save lives. Like, mm-hmm. that kind of thing is why we do theater. I well, think. and it is the thing of, like, the, the two acts being juxtapositioning of each other where the first act, all the characters are in control of their own destiny mm-hmm. and are – actively seeking a thing mm-hmm. that they all think they want. The second act is all about responding to a crisis. And a crisis that, I mean, beautifully is wanton and is a person. I mean, oh, it's yeah. this wonderful, it's this amazing piece of, I think it's very underappreciated how the fact that it's a giant who has lost her glasses and so she can't see. So she's not, her destruction is, she's just walking and stomping on stuff right. because she can't see where she's going. Right. But it is a person who has a legitimate being oh, sure. <laughs> with these people. Right? So it's not like a like a like an act of God. It's not like a storm or a tornado where like there's no mental. This this woman wants something, and she is sure. not going to stop until she gets no. it. And even once she gets it, she may still not stop. Like right. she may find that to be unsatisfying because she kills. Oh my God! Lots of people. Like, so too many. I would. I would too argue. Many. Too many. Oh, okay. I would argue too many. Too no, many, I mean sure. not structurally. I think structurally she right. kills the. Well, but who like, did, the, the, a lot of people die. She doesn't kill everybody. That's who dies. true. That's, that's an important true. distinction because she kills. Rapunzel is. She kills Rapunzel. She steps on Rapunzel. Right. And then Jack's mother dies, but that's which not. is almost funny when Rapunzel dies. It's almost funny. It's like almost. Yeah, because depends we, on a stage. She's it. been screaming for all of the second. Well, act it depends so. on. She runs. I mean, in the in the video, which I've I've seen yeah. as well, she runs off stage. We hear her killed, and then the reaction that everybody has is almost comical, and then it isn't. I mean, because right. the witch has that great song.
ground it for a minute. But yeah, then then her. she kills the narrator Obedience in a moment that is first. genuinely okay. hilarious. Oh yeah, when she kills the narrator, <laughs> and then she is that it for her? Then the oh, and she kills the baker's, baker's wife. wife. Of course, yeah. she so kills I guess the it's wife. I guess it's only three. she kills three. It feels like women. and then the the steward kills Jack's mother, mother. in the middle there to sure. to get her to shut up so that sure he yeah, hits her he hits her on the head. A fatal blow. A drove dual to a fatal yeah. blow, yes. Yeah, that's in right. a moment that is, yeah, God, that's a, this show gets into some stuff it in the does. second act. It really, it really, really does. does. It yeah. makes you, it makes you understand what, like the kind of horrific things that we put in fairy tales and like with, with good reason. Like in the first act when they cut open the wolf and right. Red Riding Hood and Granny climb out. Like yeah. we, we know that. So we're like, yeah, okay. We've seen that kind but they of also, violence. I mean, they did base it on the Grimm's fairy tales right. and not the Disney version. So, like, the stuff of Cinderella's stepsisters oh, cutting their the feet yeah. and her heel to get Ugh. it, like, to get the shoe to fit right. is, yeah. There's, like, a her... It's, it's, and then they're blinded. It reminds me of in The Simpsons when Itchy and Scratchy is, is pointing out the extreme violence mm-hmm. that in we cartoons. put in cartoons. And this is a similar... Yeah. I mean, it's a it's it's toned down from itchy and scratchy. Well, yes, like quite a bit. Quite a but, bit. Yeah. and you know, Sondheim when he when he talked about the show started with the baseline of farce. Mm-hmm. He said, "What is the farcical?" And it's really interesting to watch the farcical elements of the show mm-hmm. play out. There are several. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, it's very funny. I mean, it's a it's oh, a really well written show. Very funny. Very funny, and even right. funny in its moments of when it gets sad and gets mm-hmm. dark. Like there are still. Jokes. There are still moments and things yeah. to get you through those like right. terrible, terrible, terrible moments. Right. She's the witch. The witch is giving that huge monologue where she says, "Look around you. People are dying yes. every minute." And then at the end of that, she goes, "When you're dead, you're dead." And it's a weirdly yeah. funny line. Like it's mm-hmm. this very you're very taken aback. Yeah. Well, like in I the love. beginning of the second act, I really like um, the line when the baker says, "We should." After they, the giant has crashed into the house. And he says, we should tell someone. <laughs> she Great. says, who are you going to tell? <laughs> it's <laughs> just this great, moment. like, you're right. Like, where do we go in this moment? And they decide to go to the castle. It's like, all right, fine. Like, I sure. guess, whatever. You That's go to the excellent. castle. I'm going to go find the giant. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, this show is a big, this is, I think, we're going out of order here a little bit on this show, <laughs> in the podcast, because um, the first time show we did was Anyone Can Whistle. And the second one yeah. we did with Paul Scanlon recently was uh, Merrily yeah. Roll Along. But now we're leapfrogging to, I believe... Let me make sure I'm right about this. His sometimes second longest running Broadway show. 780 some performances. performances. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's only behind um, the original Forum, which ran for about 900 oh, and something. Oh, well, sure. Um, so, yeah. So we're leapfrogging a lot. Because this show was a big hit. It's somewhat overshadowed by the fact that it opened the same year. As Phantom. As Phantom of the oh, Opera. Man. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Which we could get into. Which is but... still running today. We can get into that if you mm, want to. Um, no. Any feelings about Phantom? <laughs> I, All right. We'll, we'll I, save it. We'll save that's it That's a different minute. conversation. <laughs> so let's talk about the opening sequence. Sure. Yes, yes, that, yes. Because I think that the opening sequence of Into the, the Woods. The 11-minute opening of this well, show. And you yeah, know, like, so I just good. I just worked, I just assistant directed Titanic at Signature. Oh, okay. And that, I mean, that opening sequence is 16, mm-hmm. 17 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was re-listening to Into the Woods, uh, I was thinking about the kind of rules that Sondheim is setting up in the opening. So he's setting, he's setting up the, the leitmotif of I Wish. Yes. Just constantly. And yes. I, I mean, it is, a, it is a complicated 
opening number. Yes, it is. Musically. Uh, but he so easily lulls you into the sense of the world. I mean, there's that constant string movement mm-hmm. in the in just underscoring almost that I don't I don't know if the strings have any other notes in the opening song <laughs> than just like dun dun dun, dun. Mm-hmm. like I think I, I and I and, and the first it's I've now listened to the orchestration in a different way because of working on Titanic but mm. it was really fascinating to me that that is that is a an audience move there that is a moment to go all of these are connected this is all the same world Mm-hmm. Let's live in this world together and accept that all of these people live in the same in the same place within mm-hmm. within three square miles of each other. Sure, yeah, uh, which I think is so smart. And then bringing Little Red Riding Hood in gives you that moment that oh, there are more characters than this. Mm-hmm. Like you know, when you talk about beginnings of plays, like what are they establishing? This it's so <laughs> what what Into the Woods does. In, in just a brilliant way to me is it says, you know, the opening of a play, you want it to say, what is the main question that we're answering? And in answering that, Stephen Spock, who had just taught me this, in, answer, in, in asking that question, you then are telling the audience when they get to leave. When you say, mm-hmm. this is the question that we're exploring. When either that happens or it doesn't, then you then as the, the audience over. get to leave. Right. So they set up the first, the question, you know, I want to go to the festival. I want, to, you know, all of this stuff. Then those things happen. And then we're like, great, the show is over. And then there's still a second act. Yes, like there it's, is. And that's, I think, so structurally smart. And the end, mm-hmm. the opening number gives us that, as well as expanding all of the other themes that we're going to learn in the show. Um, the bird theme that Cinderella has. Right. Um, the bean theme doesn't come in yet, actually, I don't think. Well, because they don't find the beans until the end, end of, of the that song. Because she, yeah, she finds the right. beans. Right, so and the then... bean theme. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, yeah, so, which then is boom. in the, yeah, yeah boom. <laughs> which boom. then is, is, is in all, it, it is in explored and undone and reversed in all, oh, yeah. every The whole song. show is based on that, like, little. And I didn't know yeah, that. I finally read uh, the Sondheim music. Or six note phrase. Yeah, I finally fa- read the Sondheim music book, and I was like, oh, yeah. it is. It's in everything. I mm-hmm. called my father. Like, I'm in tears <laughs> at my kitchen table. Did you know this thing about yeah. this show? And he's like, well, I yeah. have to go teach a class. Like, right. are you done being crazy? <laughs> no, I'm not, I swear. But it is those. It, it, it's, it's simple. There's yeah. a simplicity to this <laughs> score. And it is, I, because of that, I think it's not my, I don't think it's his best but it's a it's top three for me because of that because yeah. of you see somebody at the height of their powers not overdoing it mm-hmm. and that has to be such a temptation right. like you say with purple prose and all that like to just let it go and write the biggest grandest most rhymiest right. whatever kind of because he could and he never does. He sticks to this little six-note phrase, and he is the talent to, I don't know how you do that as a composer, but <laughs> explore it and expand it and twist it and make it yeah. fit throughout. And he has moments of, I mean, there are some seriously Sondheim lyrics in the show, obviously, but there are no moments of, there are, let, me see, let me back that up. There are no unmotivated moments of unbelievable rhyming, like of rhyming right. that you couldn't even conceive. Like I think of, the ones that always stick out to me are steps on the steps on the palace, yeah. which builds to this oh, yeah. amazing, intricate 
twisty turny thing as Cinderella stuck to there. The end, um, your fault. But it isn't my fault. I was given those beans. You persuaded me to trade away my cow for beans. And without those beans, there'd have been no stock to get up to the giants in the first place. Wait a minute, magic beans for a cow so old that you had to tell a lie to sell it, which you told. Were they worthless beans? Were they oversold? Oh, and tell us who persuaded you to steal that gold. See, it's your fault. No. So it's your fault. No. Yes, it is. It's not. It's true. Wait a minute, but I only stole the gold to get my cow back from you. So it's your fault. Yes. No, it isn't. I'd have kept those beans, but our house was cursed. She made us get a cow to get the curse reversed. It's your father's fault that the curse got placed and the place got cursed in the first place. Oh, then it's his fault. It was his fault. No. Yes, it is. It's his. I guess. Wait a minute, though. I tell Sure. Which is, of course, just like a patter song, essentially. Sure. But... Sure. Both very motivated in the moment oh, of yeah. panic and, and angst with these well, characters. Well, Steps of the Palace does that thing, and it happens several other times in the show, where we hear the internal monologue yes. of a person. And yes. that's and then that's and then we have lyrics like You think what do you want? You think make a decision. Why not stay and be caught? You think, well, it's a thought, what would be his response? But then what if he knew who you were when you know that you're not what he thinks that he wants? And then what if you are what a prince would envision? Although how can you know who you are till you know what you want, which you don't? So then which do you pick? Where you're safe out of sight and yourself, but where everything's wrong? Or where everything's right and you know that you'll never belong? And whichever you pick, do it quick, because you're starting to stick to the steps of the palace. But, yeah. And it's something that only happens in your brain. You never mm-hmm. express those words because putting it in language feels so clunky. And he manages to to keep that sort of light and he bounces mm-hmm. off of those. Because he, he doesn't dwell on it. He's like, We don't sit there and there's no right. musical beat to be like, wasn't that cool? That was it. Just It just... <laughs> plows past right. you and you kind of don't notice how good it is until you hear it again sure. or you try to sing it. I mean, that's always the moment for me with Sondheim where you're like, God, these are, man, this is tight. But you have a lyric like, you may know what you want, but to get what you need, better see that you keep what you have. Right. And that is so hard to like, It's the rhythm of it is very simple, right. but remembering exactly that phrasing I would, is tremendously tricky. I would tricky. say all of uh, justifies the beans. If you know what you want, then you go and you find it and you get it. Oh. Do we want a child or not? And you give and you take and you bid and you bargain or you live to regret it. Will you please go home? There are rights and wrongs and in-betweens. No one waits when fortune intervenes. And maybe they're really magic. Who knows? Why you do what you do, that's the point. All the rest of it is chatter. Look at her, she's crying. If the thing you do is pure in intent, if it's meant and it's just a little bent, does it matter? Yes. No, what matters is that everyone tells tiny lies. What's important really is the size. Only three more tries and we'll have our prize. When the end's in sight, you'll realize if the end is right, it justifies the beat. Oh, yeah, that the whole... end is right. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. that whole song is I think I think is the one moment in the show where Sondheim goes, I'm super good at writing lyrics. Please right. keep that in mind. Well, she's very smart. I mean, it is, oh, yeah. but it is in that character who is smarter than her husband is believing, right? And is also making an argument to him sure. that like they should be allowed to do this. Yes, I love that song because it is so accurate to how you in in, in his justification in music. Mm-hmm. It says. It's how do you rework your philosophy? And I think that we discover that the baker's wife, in fact, does sort of have live on this moral slippery slope of. Well, they all do. 
Oh, I, but I Every think she personifies it. She has some very unexpected moments more than yeah. yes than other people. So I would, moments, yes. I think, moments in the woods. Yeah, she has a whole song about it. Yeah, right. Where she she sort of resolves her moral code just right. in time to be killed. Yeah. Like so why many. not both instead? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is just. There are it, moments in the woods, and then there's right. back to life, back to child, right. back to you know. Right. All that, you and know. and the thing that I think is so successful about moments in the woods is that it is still clear that. She, like the giant that she's then killed by the giant immediately after that song. Yes, but is. it is not retribution no. for what just happened. Not at it all. It is just it's another just moment in the it woods. Like just it's happens. just this right? Nobody is killed. God, it's really interesting. I'm gonna say something and I'm not sure that I'm I right. Know. I don't think the giant kills anyone for anything. I think only I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. <laughs> so I was about to say only innocent people are killed by the giant, but that's not right because nobody's innocent nobody's in this show. Because the, the giant kills the narrator, the baker's wife, and Rapunzel. Sure. Rapunzel's an accident. Like Rapunzel just runs at the giant and the giant steps on her. It's not like an intentional – the giant's not trying to kill Rapunzel. Sure. She kills the narrator. She throws the narrator. <laughs> she has to know that's going to – Or doesn't care. I mean right. it's either it's either it's either homicide or willful indifference. <laughs> And who knows which is worse. And who knows which is worse. Exactly <laughs> right. right. And uh, especially since he's the narrator of a show and we didn't know they knew he was there until that <laughs> right. moment, which is so great. Um, and then she kills the baker's wife. Again, we assume just accidentally. She's right. traipsing through the woods. And well, the, we don't even know if she steps right. or like the trees the fall on her or something. The way Lapine stages it is almost like an earthquake happened. The thing that I that I can't get away from in this show you know, fairy tales being a modern sort of morality tale. Oh, sure. Um, that So Sondheim says, I can't remember which of his books he talks about, either finishing the hat or look, I made a hat. Mm-hmm. He talks about Into the Woods. But what he says is a folk tale without a moral is merely whimsy. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's such a like just... Eastern it... academic thing to oh, say. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. saying he's wrong, but that is such a like... <laughs> oh, for sure. And like, I mean, like there's a... Right. It's one of those things you're like most brilliant professor tosses off at the end of class and everybody goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And like oh, half the people are like, that down. I don't know what Would it means, but I'm test, nodding because right? everyone else yeah. is nodding. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I'm just going to keep nodding. Yeah. Right. But he but he does make the point that like what are the lessons that people are going to take away from this? And I think with I wish at the end what he's saying is I think you're going to take a little bit of everything away from it and it's going to. Like, you won't learn every lesson perfectly every time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing I notice about myself in Into the Woods. Every time I come back to the cast recording, I am hit by something else. I remember I remember the moment where I know things now. I understood mm-hmm. viscerally. Like, in my, in my gut, I went, yep, yeah. I have had that moment. I mm-hmm. am having that moment right now, and that song is playing. Mm-hmm. And that seems so serendipitous and... Mm-hmm. Fatal in the in the idea of fate, but um, and I and I think that's what he's going for with this sort of it continues, desire continues, lessons continue, witches mm. can be right, giants can be good, yeah. like that idea is you're not always gonna do it right, so do right what you can, and then realize that. You're not ever starting from square one. Like every lesson that you learn is building off of each other. Well, and that's why we have those moments of first midnight, second midnight, sure. where the characters all come out and give their moral. Uh-huh. Like so far, uh-huh. we've learned 
the slotted spoon, you know, slotted spoons don't hold much soup. Like that's that's the first thing we learned. Um, And it's funny how like even minor characters, like the (laughs) steward gets the line, like a servant is not just a dog. It's like nobody cares what you think, dude. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or Cinderella's father, the closer to the family, the the closer closer to the wine. I don't know. (laughs) But they all get their moment. Right. Today I learned this. But it's kind of wondering like what? What did you do today that that made you think like that was like that was the thing today, right? Right. Never wear mauve to a ball or pink or open your mouth. Like I know what those people did. Like right. I understand that day. Opportunity is not a lengthy visitor. Sure. But so what is at, at the end? Everybody comes out with their morals. Not everybody, but a lot. Mostly everybody comes out with a, their morals. Some of which are good. Like the slotted spoon can catch the potato. It's a great, great end of that. Every Gosh. knot was one straight rope. Um, the but princess. <laughs> harder to win. That's my favorite. I know because I... Um, they have like it shows just how they have learned nothing. I know They're... agony sets that up so. Ag- I think I think it's my dad. My dad loves the agony. Oh, it's such the a great song. Both of them. This yeah. is. I think this musical more than any other musical I've experienced, and I could, and I could be totally wrong about this, and I'm willing to be wrong. This is one of the best use of reprisals that I have ever. Like the way that sure. songs come back, and it's not sure. just light motif. Like light, like motif and light motif in this show. You're like, sure, right? Mm-hmm. There's some Wagner in here. Oh, I like grant you that, but I think the way that songs are repeated and changed and inversed are is so smart, and not every well, and that second show agony accomplishes that. That second agony isn't. It's a it's a whole new version of that right. song. It's not a reprise. It's not called Agony Two. It's also called agony because these characters have not grown they have simply found something new and shiny (laughs) to chase after and they're great their morals are the best their first one is uh the harder to get the better to have the second moral which isn't on the cast album and i love is um near near maybe better than far but it still isn't there (laughs) which is actually like oh okay like that's some growth there that's kind of and then of course the harder to wake the better to have they just get it's just wordplay that's all we're left with with these two guys as Cinderella's Prince has my favorite line in the whole show, which is, I was raised to be charming, not Not sincere. sincere. And it is unapologetic. Like, I'm a prince. It's how I do. What do you want? What do you want from me? Like, you knew this when you married me. Yeah. Right. And I I always think about the moment where the witch in Stay With Me talks princes. Mm -hmm. Princes, yes, but wolves Wolves and and humans humans too. too. Where princes, princes are. A, an entity unto yeah. themselves. They are not right. the same as you and I. And right. I, that's so smart. It's probably um, off seducing some young men. Yeah, I know. Right? Oh, man. <laughs> I, the second act, I'm telling you. Like, it's so well, well structured. And, and I think I think what you were talking about in the first act, the moments that are underwritten or underexplored, I, the second act is so tight. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it happens there. Because it's not in service of anything else. Like, right. the first act is Lapine invented the baker and the baker's wife. To, to be our leads and to tie all the other fairy tales together. Right, sure. That was the only reason those two characters exist. Right. And they have their own journey. But it's a, it, it was so – I remember the first time I read that, like, this is the only fairy tale that isn't based on anything. Sure. And I really thought, really? Like, because <laughs> I feel like I've seen that fairy tale where, like, somebody right. wants to have a kid and they have to go through it. Like, I guess I haven't, but I thought I had, you know, and it they just – They play it so well. Yeah, they do. And it is it is an archetypal, like – Mythologic, you know, in the hero sure. of a thousand faces sense, like it is, it is an archetypal myth, but it is there. That's where they're there. They're so he has to. Lapine has to wrap all those stories up in the way we know, and he has to get from A to B, and he has to do it in the right time frame. Like right. he can't like. 
everybody has to get together at the end. So he's got a right. there's stalling and stopping and moving and and obstacles for no reason like the cow dying like that <laughs> right. that just just to stretch this a little bit further because we need to right. like we have to get to ever after. But in Act Two, when he's free of those restrictions and he can just write a story and let it go and right. kill people and do whatever, does he does. He completely comes into his sure. own, and it's a lot more. It feels a lot more. It feels a lot tighter. It feels a lot more. Yeah, complete. there's there, there's just a, there's a different sense of drive. Yes. And stakes, I guess. Absolutely. Is the way to to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. This show took forever to write, apparently, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, and in early in versions, and... in early versions, like Hansel and Gretel were in yeah. it and the Three Little Pigs. And, and then uh, they, Stiltskin was the character and they at one get, point. And they get added back in in some school versions as, like, they only sing the opening number and the ending number. Ooh, right. And I said, oh, I just always think, ah. You know, my favorite uh, piece of trivia about the early versions oh, of the show is that the narrator originally was the Baker's and Baker's wife's son. Oh my There was originally gosh. this like three line what? limit where the mysterious man's the father, as we know, the baker is the baker, and then the narrator turned out to be their kid. Now in that version he wasn't killed, but it is this like cyclical, twisty t- like Ooh. taking that fa- that children and parents thing and really taking right. it all the way to the conclusion. Right. And I think once they decided to kill him. They dropped that because yeah, because you can't. Really. You can't really. Man, I wanted. I I love the premise. What fiasco has done with this show? With the, yeah, in, in the inside of the piano. Yeah, I mean because fiasco. What they are able to do with a lot of their productions is say this is the play is doing this thing structurally. How do we make that the center point? They're right. they're uh, two gentlemen. Just a, was at Folger was just such a lovely, mm-hmm. lovely production of Two Gentlemen of Verona, which is a, a really complicated play and mm-hmm. like has it, it's they are able to problematize the script in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see someone do that with this play because we do like to take it for granted. We like to be that's the story and the second act, you know. And I again, that's me being protective of the musical. That right. is me saying no one gets this but me, which is <laughs> <laughs> like clearly not true. Like I get it, but also. Right. Also, I still I still believe it like a little bit. Well, because it's because it's special to you. I mean, oh, yeah. the, <laughs> like, like, I, mean I know. That, like I have feelings. I get thing. it. But. but like everybody, everybody has those things sure. where it's like, no, this is this way. And everybody has it. It's not just arts. Like we have it in sports and we have it in all kinds. Sure. Anything we love or music, you know, bands or whatever. We build a mythology around the thing that we love. Right. Right or wrong. Right. And then if it is violated... Depending on our, depending on a or the deepness of our affection, and b the intensity of our personality, you can fight <laughs> yeah. back pretty vehemently. Sure, and that's not unique to drama sure. in any sense. Like that is something that happens sure. all the time. You know, this. I mean, Into the Woods has become the standard by which I measure people. Um, and not, I mean, well, that like, might I, be a little I, hardcore. Okay, but... so like, I don't. Okay, listen, listen, Patrick, <laughs> calm down. My <laughs> you can't, you can't. Like, God, all I'm, of the equipment. I'm glad so, I like the show. So, no, I, and I mean, I, what I mean is, I I know what kind of connection or friendship I will have with someone by the way they can talk to me about this show. Hmm. Okay. By the way, like by how they phrase it. And not to say that I have not been friends with people who are like, I don't like it. It's just right. a bunch of fairy tales that I, you know, I have that moment of just right. of fist up. clenching. Right. Oh my gosh, you've never been more wrong about and anything you breathe, in your life. And then you but then, you know, there we, you know, but it 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 has for me become one of the things that like I, I uh 
It Takes Two is the song I will dance to at my wedding. Okay. I have decided when I was like 11. When sure. I, d- I decided how my life was going to go when I was 11, and I have not I done think a lot anything of people do. different yeah. than that All right. ever. So, Good. <laughs> I mean, hey. um, but like it, it, it you know, it, it is so important to me. It lives inside my skin. Like I, and I don't know it often. I don't mm-hmm. realize often how I'm going to react to it. Um, I remember rewatching like two or three years ago and the line that Cinderella has uh I have too often wanted more but that doesn't mean I went out in search of it Mm -hmm. if this is how you are as a prince what kind of king will you be yeah and like thinking about the moments in my life when I have thought about that with people and well I just I think something new sticks out to me every time I approach this and I think that is the hallmark of a good piece of theater or a good piece of literature Mm -hmm. is that every time you read it, you discover something new because you yourself have changed. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, that's my soapbox that I'll get from right now. No, that's great. (laughs) I've literally stuck a microphone in your face. I don't. I don't. (laughs) Well, this is my opportunity. You can't complain about it. Yeah, I have no right to complain if you get on a soapbox. Oh, good. Um, I mean, I can edit this however I want too. So (gasps) that's true. I know, right? I'm still in control. I would like to talk more about Into the Woods, but Bridget, before we do that, will you follow me to the green room? Oh, sure. All right, let's go. The Aerochill cast this week is brought to you by Flying Bee Theater's production of Brother Mario by Seamus Sullivan. What happens when you cross Anton Chekhov with Koopa Troopas, Fire Flowers, and Mustaches? The answer is Flying Bee Theater's latest production, Brother Mario. In this existential exploration of the Super Mario Brothers, Mario begins to wonder if there's more to life than jumping, go-karts, and princesses in other castles. Performances begin February 23rd, so reserve your ticket at flyingv.brownpapertickets.com. Listeners to this podcast can get $5 off their tickets by going to brownpaperbagtickets.com and entering the promo code PODCAST. So again, Flying V Theater's production of Brother Mario. Performances begin February 23rd. Reserve your ticket at flyingv.brownpapertickets.com and enter promo code PODCAST. All right, back to the show. I think that what you talk about with having like a great deal of passion for this show, I think this show is often, though, as you say, belittled. Mm-hmm. And so that probably, I mean, that won't help if you're like right. super defensive of a show. And then it's often, like you say, people are like, ah, it's just a bunch of fairy tales. And you're like, no, it's because it's, it isn't. So, it's so much more than that. That is a, yeah. Right. Um, and it did win a bunch of Tony Awards. I mean, right. it did it did very well. Like I say, when it was it, it opened and it ran and it went to the West End and it ran and it tours and it is produced to colleges right. and community theaters. It's, it's sure. a love show. And it did win Best Score. Over Phantom of the Opera. Thank goodness. So at this point, yeah. So let's talk about Phantom of the Opera. For <laughs> okay, a second. Just for here a little we bit. Go. Let's just bridge off into Phantom of the Opera. Because <laughs> I have opinions. So okay. let's let's you know. Let's let's go. So Phantom this so this year, let's just just for some context. Sure. This show came out the same year as Phantom, uh-huh. directed by Hal Prince, of course, longtime Sondheim collaborator, though by that point he was not. And the spl- they kind of they kind of carved up the Tonys pretty nicely for themselves. So Phantom won Best Actor in a Musical, which uh into the Woods was not nominated for. Sure. Best Featured Actress in a Musical, which Into the Woods was also not nominated for, which is a little surprising. And Best Direction of a Musical over James Lapine, uh, How Prince Beat James Lapine, and Best Costume Design over Into the Woods, Best Scenic Design over Into the Woods, and Best Lighting Design over Into the Woods. That's kind of a... I do understand that, though, like from a... Well, I, it is a design... Right, anyway. Right, and then Into the Woods... <laughs> Won Best Actress for Joanna Gleason over, uh, oh, what she? Oh, I was about to say over. Um, 
Sarah Brightman, but she was not nominated. Well. Uh, I, that's a little bit of a snub, though. Just a tiny bit. Like maybe. Uh, Robert Westenberg was nominated for Best Featured Actor, uh, but lost to Bill McCutcheon for the Anything Goes revival. It was nominated for Best Choreography, also lost to Anything Goes. Uh, but the big two, Stephen Sondheim won Best Score over Andrew Lloyd Webber, Charles Hart, and Richard Stilgo. But... The all-important best musical went to Phantom of the Opera Phantom, that year, sure. yes, here in the, at the 42nd Annual Tony Awards. So, <laughs> and Phantom, of course, is still running. Right, of 20, course. 20 years, 30 years later. Well, and that's, and that's what's so interesting about comparing Into the Woods and Phantom and the fact that they happened in the same year is that the mythology of the Phantom of the Opera is not universal and well-known enough mm-hmm. that we can adequately go, oh, that's that thing in the book. You know, like as popular right. as the book was, it's not like required reading in yeah, high yeah, school. It's people not, don't know the books. They know the movie they, versions of the books, but sure. they don't know the books. But yeah. and so and so a lot of that stuff, the keep the hand at the love of your eyes, the the opera ghost and the leaving the notes in box five, all of that stuff leads to like, look, isn't this spooky, but is not actually grounded in any character that we recognize. Whereas mm-hmm. in Into the Woods, it's like, look, it's Little Red Riding Hood, so she has a cape. Um, right. And we're going to make this one eat a lot because yeah, she's... Yeah. she's a brat. Like, we're not going to make this one sweet. Right. This one's going to be right. like more like the Looney Cinderella Tunes version. talks to birds. Right. And we're going to make fun of that throughout the whole show. Talk to birds. Um, because we sort of, we, you know, because and then that some of that is pulling is pulling the strings of this audience has seen Disney. This audience right. has seen Disney. They pay just enough lip service to, to the Disney stuff. To make you like to satisfy that need, sure. to make that itch, and yeah. when and so when Snow White and, um, oh, and Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty come at the up. end, they're just one hundred percent Disney costumes because they're yes. only on stage for fourteen seconds to yawn and say excuse me, excuse me, yeah. and so then they and so you just have to immediately know who those characters are, right? And so they go, well, we'll dress them like the Disney characters because then yeah. everyone knows it's a yeah. huge sign and symbol. Well, and we know so. who they are because of. The second agony. Because of the song, say, yeah, sure. High in a tower like yours was, but higher. But higher. <laughs> Beauty asleep. Because it's all just... Oh, it's I love just... the... <laughs> she has skin white as snow. Did you learn her name? No. There's a dwarf standing um, <laughs> the, Sondheim... That's a great song where the, the audience is two steps ahead of the, sure, the characters sure. the whole song. Well, and, and the dwarfs, dwarves, dwarfs joke. Oh, my joke. gosh, yes. And, so, and Sondheim writes about this. He goes, I was so afraid that the correction would get the laugh and it would cover up the next line. Yeah. But in fact, dwarfs are very upsetting yeah. is the funniest line in that song. And it stops the, he, he says, yeah. I, I, he's like, I'm so glad that moment is earned. It's funny because my access to Sondheim was the, was was Into the Woods. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Company and I watched Thoreau Esparza one, mm-hmm. so, which is all of the actor musicians. Right. So I just sort of assumed that's the way the show had been done because oh no. I just like didn't know oh anything God about it. Know. <laughs> I know. Like, why would you? So then I directed Company. I saw for that setting... at You Rome. did not. Saw... Oh, on your website. I'm sorry. Oh. I didn't see it. Not... Okay. I thought I... maybe you had come to the center stage. I read that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because for a second I was like, no. You did that for I mean, center stage? I did. Uh, yes, did you know you... I was president of center I stage? I did. I listened to your podcast, Patrick. <laughs> For, for 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 two terms, did for, it for two years? Yeah, for yeah, a yeah, while. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's because because Center Stage when it was founded, when was it founded? Like oh god, officially. it was in the in the eighties. Yeah, I think. by Al yeah. Goff, who yeah. is the producer mm-hmm. of Smallville, yes. and my brother's godfather. Oh wow! Because he went to school with my dad. Oh, check so, that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Producer Smallville, writer of Lethal Weapon Four, uh, and Into the Badlands, and the Shannon Chronicles on HBO now. Oh, wow, there you so, go. That Al, I just pitched your show, so you better listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's I'd cool. love to have him on. That'd be a lot of he's fun. He's cool. He's, yeah. I mean, he's in. 
He's over in La La Land. Oh, so, sure he is. Yes, absolutely. He's, well, you know. He's business, busy and famous. So he's... Science eliminates distance. We'll figure that out. <laughs> um, Science. Oh, my gosh. That's right. a good line. Oh, that's not me. That's Evelyn Waugh. But you can, oh, you can okay. keep well, it. I'm no, you can keep it. Write it down. No, it's from Brideshead Revisited. No, I thought it was you. I was just... Science. Brideshead Revisited. It's from Brideshead okay. Revisited. Um, I, I crib only from the best. Yeah. So anyway, so then I so then I yeah. directed I directed company my mm-hmm. senior year. Uh you know, with a bunch of millennials being like, we can right. do company, yeah. which, and, and like, there was a lot of very successful things about that show for me. And I'm very proud of a lot of the work that happened in it. And there's stuff that I'm like, you know what? I know some stuff now and I would change a lot. Um, I also then, direct a company for Center Stage my senior oh year. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so there you go. Oh my gosh. I think we're twins. <laughs> um, and then, and then I watched the video. I did not listen to the recording first, but then I watched the video of Sunday in the Park. Yeah. And the first watch through, I just went, wait. He's an Into the Woods. And she's, yeah. and that, and like, because they're just all. Yeah, there's how many of them from, there's. Um, Robert Westenberg. Robert Westenberg, uh, Danielle, Danielle Furland, is, right, yeah, who plays is, the little girl in Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red um, Jack's mother. Right. Barbara Bryant. We'll okay. take that. Bernadette Peters, obviously. Sure. Um, I think that might be. But I think that's it. it. Yes. But it's enough that I noticed. Oh, sure. Um. And I and so that was my first watch through Sunday yeah. in the Park, and then I went back and like actually and watched actually, it. Actually, like watched it. And yeah. I and I really like that show. It's very it's very problematic, but like so lovely and wonderful. And I don't know. I I want to see, see it now, live. You, you, you've drifted into my. You've drifted your boat into my lane now because <laughs> I think it's, I, it's that's my favorite musical. Yeah, that is yeah, absolutely my that's favorite awesome. musical. It is not what I would do if I was on the show, but it is my favorite musical of oh. all time. I saw it. Did you see it at Signature? I didn't. That was so. It was like before I like knew <sighs> about Signature. Oh my God. And like that feels like blasphemy to say now that I've no, worked with Eric, all. like mm-hmm. who is great and I think is so smart and he gets Sondheim in a way that I. Yeah, I just adore. You know, like Eric just understands Sondheim, and mm. but I and so everyone talks about the production of Sunday. It was, and they people and people who were in it talk about it. It and, was transcendent. It really was. That's it awesome. Was, I I I mean, it's a show that I know backwards and forwards, and you know, both the book and the music and lyrics, and I wept, <laughs> like to the point where my wife thought something was wrong at the end. It's it's the end of Act One that makes me sob. Sure. Act Two also affects me deeply but I'm kind of emotionally spent by that point so it's not gonna like but the the finale Sunday that was the first time I saw that show where I really like that was when I discovered it was my favorite musical was that was watching mm-hmm. it at Signature and watching Sunday the, the finale at the end of Act 1 which is just this isn't gonna mean anything to you maybe but like you've seen the video so it's probably sure. there is a the, the little girl <laughs> wears glasses uh-huh and in the painting, she doesn't have glasses because I teach the painting also when I'm here. Sure. Um, so I know the painting very well. And I kept remember noticing that of being like, she's got her glasses on. I'm like, oh, crap, she's got her glasses on. Like she's walking out to, and she's got her – like that's a mistake. And then I forgot there's a moment where George like has the painting all set and right before the end he runs back and he grabs her glasses. And I broke down. I absolutely broke down. And I don't know why. That affected me so much. Like it was, I was already like on the precipice. It wasn't like I was fine. I was fine. I was fine, and then I was in tears. Like I was, I was really like affected. But for some reason, that detail, which is in the script, killed me and continues to kill me. I think it's, you know what, like the way you're talking about it. What I am interpreting is that that moment, because the painting doesn't exist yet, right? So he right, could that's very he well makes the painting, he very yeah. well could paint her with glasses, with glasses on, and yes. decides in the moment that that's not the story he's telling. Yeah, 
And it's such a small attention to craft and such a small attention to detail. Mm -hmm. And probably you as a director and filmmaker player, all of the mm -hmm. things that you are in your many capacities, see that. And I, I, I am listening to you and being affected in a similar way. I'm not crying right. because it's just you talking about it, not because no, you're, like, you're, very, you're like very engaging and I'm yeah. very engaged. But <laughs> like, I'm complimenting your words, too. Okay. But I, I think that it's... It I'm is, not as good as a fully produced musical signature theater. <laughs> what, what I'm, me You know here. what? I, you said it, not me. So <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think it is that moment where you identify sometimes we make really small decisions that we understand and no one else will ever notice in your work. Yeah. Like I think I think that's, that's certainly part of it. Yes. I, don't, I mean, like, I think it's, it's probably, probably intangible, like all of the things sure. and, and what and, like there's so many. Right. Other but parts when, of that, when but... you were saying that and talking about the way that you talk about the painting, I said, yeah. you know what? Like this is I think that that's that moment for me on stage. So I want to ask you and this is going to piggyback off Sunday. I know I can't edit all that out. The, um, <laughs> Sorry. All the embarrassing stuff of me crying. The, uh, <laughs> so Joss Wheaton once said that Sunny in the Park with George is act one is about the problems of being a genius and act two is about the problems of not being a genius. That's kind of how he Ooh. broke it. It's good, isn't oh. it? He said that to Stephen Sondheim. And like he's, <laughs> I know, and he says that, and sometimes kind of made him look like, oh, that's good. And he says, in that moment, he decided to end that conversation as quickly as possible and get out because it wasn't going to get better. <laughs> but it's very astute, and he's absolutely correct. For sure. So, could you do something like that for this show, where sure. you could say I Act mean, One's about this and I Act mean, Two is about that? In the in, in, the the pithy answer to that, mm -hmm. the answer that I don't love with all my being. Sure is act one is about not getting what you want and act two yes. is about getting what you want. Which, yeah. like, ugh. That's kind of a shortcut. I like version. don't love, yeah. let's, right. Let's dig deeper than that. Um, okay, so for for Bridget Grace Sheaf, this show is about parenthood. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and, and, and this is not going to be verbalized in a really lovely curtain speech sort of way. So, but but for me, act one is like what, like is what you will do to get your children like it's like sure. like so like that's the pursuit there um but there's also there's also a fear there and a reservation and a sort of um that is that is sort of exploded in act 2 mm -hmm. and especially maybe i just wasn't meant to have children don't say that of course you were meant to have children mm -hmm. uh I don't know what that I don't know what that is for me yet. And you're saying that, and now I'm feeling very I did put you on inadequately the spot, so don't, prepared don't, to yeah, you're not. talk about this thing that is very important to me. But but I that's what I want to explore in this show. Um, people talk to me about their design ideas for Into the Woods all the time because I talk about this show mm -hmm. um, more than I breathe, probably. So uh, <laughs> you know, people are like, "Oh, it's a huge storybook," and so there's pages that turn, and that's the next scene. And I've seen that; it's terrible. And I'm like, that doesn't sound effective <laughs> to me. Sounds very uh, distracting. But I, I the the relationships of parent to child in this show are are. Or something that I like. How how does that play out in the structure? And I haven't, I haven't decided what that is for me yet. Mm -hmm. But but because of the way that Act One happens, and you have Stay with Me, and you have Little Reds, I know things now. There's like a growing up mm -hmm. into parenthood. And this I, that is not to say that exclusively everyone needs to be a parent. Like I like never would I want this show to be like, if you haven't grown into parenthood, then you're living your life incorrectly. Right. Because as this musical then teaches us in Act Two, like in fact, not everyone, and parents make mistakes, and, and not everyone maybe should be a parent. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't think that's that's the case of the baker and his wife, but uh, and I and I think it's just like long drawn out panic in sure. that too, like the absolute panic of I can't provide, I'm not enough, mm-hmm. and 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 specifically in the role of parenthood. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, where I would start with that, and then at some point I probably would look at it and go, that's actually not totally true and I have to throw that out but that's, well, I think that's that, like where I want to get into I think it. if you could answer that question the show wouldn't be a special to you because you've got like, like I'm, I'm watching you describe this and it's not that you're hunting for the right words it's that you're hunting for the answer and that's 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 what that's a sure. living script to you because even sure. like I could say to you for me it, you're I'm on the same path as you but I'm, I'm more like I don't have a pithy way to say this, but Good. it's sort of like Act One is about the idea of being an adult, and Act Two is about the, the reality of, of being, being an adult. adult. Sure, Jack even says that, "Mother, I'm a man now." Yes, yeah. Right. Oh and she man, him, yeah, because it is those sort oh, of that's like way smarter than I yeah, said. <laughs> well, but, but but I also have no like this show lives for you. This show is alive for that's you, true. very clearly. Right. This show is. I love this show. It is not alive for me okay. in that way. I love it. I adore it. I will stand next to you and agree with everything you say about it. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Really, you're welcome. Please so do. when you when you run for president of Into the Woods, I'll be right behind you. <laughs> but uh, or if you need to defend this in debate, I will. I'll be a primary source. But right. I have no desire to direct this show. Sure. I will go see it over right. and over again. But I have no. So if you do it, give me a holler. But right. mm-hmm. the I have no desire to direct it. It doesn't. It's not a living script for me. Unlike Sunday is for me. Like sure. Sunday, I would direct and then I'd like to direct it again and over and over right. and over again to sort of dissect it and live in it and figure it out. Right. And I couldn't give you – like even Joss Wheaton's answer isn't enough for me. Sure. He's right, but it's more than that. Sure. And that's like even me saying to you like it's about wanting to be an adult and being an adult. Like that's good, it but you're good. not you're not going to sit there it's and be like, like – not just that. Yeah, I mean I think that that's – that's really great. That that this sort of hunting and I was really hoping that would be your answer. Oh, good. <laughs> Whereas that you would have you'd have an idea of your response and no real way to express it sure. because then you wouldn't need to. It's like I don't remember which playwright says this. I'm gonna always oh, Edward Albee. Always hate hated doing synopses of his shows because he said if I could tell you what the show was about in two sentences, I wouldn't. Have I would have written, written two sentences. Like I wouldn't have written a show. And I think if you want to direct something or if you want to write something, if you want to design something. That's how you should feel about it. Be like, I can't simply express this to you. You have to sit here for two and a half hours while I show it to you. And then you will hopefully feel something and be unable to express to me like the feeling the same way I am. I just I want to sit next to an audience member as they watch this show and go, I made this for you. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you like it. So where can people find you? Are you you doing anything in town right now? Right now? Not this second. Um, I have some stuff in the works, so sure. I'm, like, really optimistic about so, that. So, but you have a website. I have a website, BridgetGraceSheaf.com. Okay. People can, um, and you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, and people should follow me on Twitter follow because on Twitter. I desperately want to be Twitter famous. Sure. I'll... It's at BG Sheaf. My last name is S-H-E-A-F-F, as in Frank Frank. I have a show that's going up in Ohio right now that I have written. Oh, okay. A one-woman show that I wrote is being performed. Um, but it's not like, I mean, maybe, I well, don't know. if you're in Ohio. If you're in it? Ohio, it's called um, uh, An Evening with Julia Maggiano. And it is about, it is, it's inspired from Elaine Stritch's At Liberty. Okay. And it is about a girl who serves as an understudy for a woman's autobiographical one-woman show and has to go on one night. Oh, wow. That's a good <laughs> Instead idea. of, and, and doesn't, hasn't memorized the show because what right, an absurd premise. Right, because why would premise. you ever have to go on? And yeah. so ends up just spilling her life on stage. Oh, wow. And talking about her her relationship with Julia 
and wow, it's and a, where it's is a that going short. Up? It's called the Fine Arts Association. It's a, it's in a suburb of Cleveland. It's very inspired by my relationship with Stephen Sondheim. So all right, well there you go. <laughs> The original cast is recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Monty Mular, Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, and the entire staff of students who run the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. You can email us at OriginalCastPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to the original cast on iTunes. And while you're there, please give us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. My thanks to Bridget Grace Sheaf for coming down and talking to me tonight. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. (laughs) 